Welcome to CX and Chill, the real raw customer experience podcast from Exo Studios and ExcendUps. Today, your host Stephanie Todd interviews Tina Selwyn, UX CX expert for Martellus Consulting. Listen in as Tina shares CX stories from the front lines of the financial industry, discusses designing customer centric UX, and finding CX inspiration in all different industries. Enjoy. There was a study. I'm not going to quote it correctly, um, but basically there was a study that people were happier with that with limited choices. Mm-hmm. So they went into a store and had like 50 you know, cereal brands to choose from. They were less happy than the ones that walked into a store that only had five. So from a customer perspective, we may think it is the best thing to do to give them every option we have available. They actually don't want that. It does not make them happy. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, you're a customer. I mean, in a very basic sense, your customer is a customer of many things. And they're going to compare their experience online, their experience in the doctor, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And we've just seen industries are getting blown up because they got lazy. Doctors, that's going to happen to them. Hi everyone, welcome to CX and Chill. I'm Stephanie Todd, your host, and I'm here today with Tina Selwyn. And super excited to have her on, bringing insights from decades we won't age ourselves of experience <laughs> um, to really give a new insight into CX. Happy to have you here. Awesome, thank you for having me. I'm looking at these beautiful boats um, in Puerto Varta. It's beautiful. I know, I was distracted earlier, so I'm glad I'm faced this way now, because at first the, the para, um, paraglider, paraglider yeah. yeah, was out and I'm like, okay, very quickly to get distracted. Anyway, so excited to have you here. One of the first things I want to do is just ask, what is something no one knows, or maybe a select few mm. people know that maybe some of the clients you work with would be surprised to hear? Okay, and that I want out in the world. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it's a very informal <laughs> podcast, so we're, we're open to hear all of it. Okay, um, so behi- besides my passion for CX, obviously, um, one of the things that usually surprises people is that I did flying trapeze for many, many years um, when I lived in New York City and loved it. Um, I even went to trapeze camp. Um, up in I Vermont. I didn't know there was a trapeze there camp. Was a, there is. Um, and I decided after seeing all of the very young people who were doing it, that I was never going to make a career out of this. <laughs> and so riding back on the subway with my hands all bandaged up, mm-hmm. I was like, ah, love it, but you know, maybe not the career for me. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I know we'll get into more <laughs> CX topics, but how did you, like, what got you interested? Did you visit like a circus or a, a soleil act or whatever? But, like, how did you jump into yeah. unintended <laughs> trapeze? <laughs> I flew in trapeze. Uh, yeah. um, so it was on the Hudson. So there's a trapeze school that was right on Hudson. Okay. And I worked in the financial district. And so I walked past it all the time and you could see people flying and catching and all of that. And it looked like mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, so I tried it and yeah, I just fell in love and, you know, got into the point of where I could flip and get caught and all that. It was great. So now that brought you exactly into customer experience exactly. because it's basically the same thing. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. going to try to fly and hopefully not hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to listen to my body. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Okay. So then what, what did bring you into CX? Like, how did you make that transition? Like, I always joke that no one said, I want to go work in call centers or in the contact yeah. center or customer experience industry, but we all jump into it. And then there's so many problems and things to solve and yeah. it's fun. But how did you get started? So I think the biggest part is that I was doing CX before I knew I was doing CX, like before I sure. became a, you know, a branded name, right? So my biggest thing was I was trying to fix problems for customers. And so I worked in finance and credit card, American Express. And I would run into these situations of where there was just friction in the system and I couldn't figure out why. And I started solving those problems. Um, and as I moved into marketing and into more customer facing roles, I had the ability to actually fix them. And so when that happened, I realized how much we were moving to digital. And um, as we were talking about before, I became a UX certified person um, through General Assembly because I really wanted to understand how the digital experiences could help customers. And so we got really deep into, you know, how to design things, how to um, actually, you know, draw it out and make it work for customers and do customer research. Um, and then I brought that back to American Express. And as I continued to um, evolve in that role, in the different roles that I had over 10 years, 
I just used it more and more. And so at that point, I was pretty much doing CX, but I also had the UX background as well. Yeah. And so for listeners who maybe don't have as much familiarity, Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about customer experience a lot on the podcast, but what about like UX? I think it's a rare infusion or synergy Mm -hmm. you have where you bring the UX and CX components together. Do you want to just talk a little bit about UX and then how that really is applied to CX for people who maybe don't have familiarity with it? Yeah, for sure. So UX is the actual technical aspect of digital CX. So that's how I would explain it. So it tells, you can actually like move the button, you can design Mm -hmm. a page, you can build an app, you can actually do the actual technical work um, that you can then hand over to engineering. Um, In my roles from a CX perspective, it is usually partnering really closely with UX Mm -hmm. to make sure that what they're building meets the customer needs. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it from a CX perspective, I always think that I'm representing the customer, yeah. whereas UX, I'm interpreting that into something real. Sure. Yeah. And it's really, if I'm using, let's just say a digital app for mm-hmm. one of my brands that I am a consumer of, mm-hmm. it's how are they using that? What buttons appear? Mm-hmm. How do I go through the product mm-hmm. and services that I am a, con- a consumer or a customer of? Yeah, exactly. And a good example would be US Bank. So mm-hmm. US Bank was trying to really evolve their app. And I was the SVP of customer experience over credit cards. Now, obviously, their app deals with banking, it deals with credit cards and mortgages and all that stuff, right? And so I was coming to the table to say, but this is important for credit cards, right? So we only have a limited amount of space. I was advocating for our customers in that space. Um, And so even if you think about a menu and how things are prioritized within that menu, everybody's trying to to do something with that real estate. And that's what CX can do is that UX built the opportunity to do it. And then from a business perspective and a customer perspective, you can make sure that your customers are getting what they need. Yeah. Because from the customer lens, it's, I don't really care don't about care. the silos nope. in the business. Mm-hmm. I have maybe a credit card, maybe a mortgage, yep. maybe whatever those products yep. are. But how does that work in terms of prioritization on like, credit cards more important than this or that in terms like were there boardroom brawls like how did you say like no credit cards are like this is number one it was usually a negotiation right as well as testing so you know putting in some really good a b test or you know let's try this and see if it works um and we had really good partnerships right so everybody was trying to serve the customer um depending on who the customer was right um ideally what i'd love to see is down down the road of where I am a customer that does three out of five things, yeah. that is a personalized experience within that app. I don't need to see the other stuff yeah. um, unless you're trying to sell me something. So mm-hmm. I think that right now we're in an example of um, it's everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And so then it causes a lot of friction and we can get to the place hopefully soon to where it can be much more personalized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even when I'm doing some things like I had like a Cobra when I left my last company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when I was online for health insurance, I, I had asked them a question about my policy and they're like, well, we don't know, yeah. like go to that company or go yeah. do this. And to even get to where I needed to go, mm-hmm. everyone was telling me, no, that's a different product or that's a different group. And mm-hmm. you know, I know we've talked about this before, but it's how do you make sure as a customer they've been understood to know mm-hmm. what their journeys are to even know what to serve them. So how do you, how do you do that with, some of the clients that you consult with and, hey, here's what I'm trying to help you fix or solve. Right. If not all of them are always also understanding what needs to be solved. Well, I think, you know, how I always address things is going back to what are you actually trying to do, right? And usually it comes back to making money. Mm -hmm. Um, And you make money by making customers happy, right? And so if you can figure out, you know, if comes down to business decisions, right? Of we've got a whole pie and this is how we can attack it. Um, I think I'm losing the thread It's making me hungry. (laughs) No, the pie. (laughs) We have a pie and I'm like, which kind? What kind is your favorite pie? Chocolate. Right? And does cheesecake count as a pie or is that a different kind of dessert? So, but what I, what I would say about that is that So there are a lot of bright and shiny objects, right? And you get different companies that really want to focus on the bright and shiny. Like you had mentioned, like chat, right? People love chat. Um, They love the idea of chat, right? Like I want chat on my website. Right. Why? Right. Why do you (laughs) actually want it? What are you trying to solve for it? So bringing people through that is really a lot of, I think, what CX professionals do. Because then you bring it back to, okay, you want to make money. You want more customers. You need customers to make to be happy, yep. and this is how they want to engage with you. 
build that, mm -hmm. right? So it's pointing them in the right direction. Um, the shiny objects are tricky, you know, and, you know, we've talked, we talked on the panel earlier about how, you know, take a risk, mm -hmm. you know, and all that. And that is fine. Yeah. But what I find in companies is that you can get the majority of the benefits of just fixing the basic needs of a customer. Mm -hmm. They don't care about the shiny object. Yeah. They just want to be able to do what they want to do mm -hmm. um, digitally on the phone, whatever. Yeah. I, I completely agree. I think too many times we are trying to give them some crazy experience when I just want to know what my balance is yeah, or like exactly. just very basic things yeah. where they're like, okay, that's really cool that you have glitter and you're mm -hmm. doing this and this and this. And it's very exciting. But at the end of the day, I am, I'm a customer of yours for these purposes. Yeah. And I just don't want to have the friction to even have to have the conversation with you because I want to be able to use your products or services without having to do that. Right. But, um, and I think something that you talked about too, so like you've gone across various industries. Mm -hmm. So you've had some heavily regulated financial, yeah. and then you get into, you know, some of the grocery and in, the, in those areas. Yeah. Do you find that there's similarity between the wants and needs of what the business is like, especially focusing on going digital? Do, do they all kind of have the same 10 buckets of things or is it very different based on industry? It's interesting because it, I think it's, uh, it depends on how mature the industry is, right? Mm -hmm. So the financial industry is extremely mature. Mm -hmm. um, within that group, I've worked with Citibank, US Bank, American Express, like a variety of different companies. And their culture bleeds through to how they think about digital, right? Um, and so you have somebody like American Express, which is so customer focused. And so they're making sure that your needs are met. Mm -hmm. You've got some other instances of where they're trying to grow their base. So they're trying to cross sell, mm -hmm. et cetera. And that kind of gums up the works a little bit mm -hmm. um, because there, it's not a clear message to the customer. It's like, oh, we'll show you how to apply for a card, but let us tell you these five other things that you need to do first. Sure. Customers don't want that, right? Yeah. Um, across industries, you know, it's, it is really interesting because like the grocery industry is massively changing right now, mm -hmm. right? So before COVID, yeah. e-commerce sales were nothing, yep. right? Um, Amazon was getting into, into Whole Foods. That was interesting, you know, mm -hmm. what they were doing and some of their, you know, some of their in, innovation there. But when you think about, um, when you think about the grocery business and they're trying now after COVID to push people to, to go mm -hmm. online, they're trying a lot of different things. And what they're trying to do is to give customers what they think they want, mm -hmm. um, change behaviors as well as still make money. Mm -hmm. And that is hard. Yeah. Right. Like you see, you see that, you know, one of the stores down the street was like, you can get a monthly membership for 20 bucks and get all of your groceries, you know, mm -hmm. delivered within an hour. Yeah. Right. Do customers actually need that? That's only one block away from me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think they're still trying to figure out the need, yeah. especially with COVID because things shifted so much. Um, and is there a need for that much innovation in a customer experience? Or do we just really need to make sure that you have the freshest products? Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also understanding maybe there's certain products or SKUs that are generally, if people are ordering this, it's kind of an urgent need yeah. versus something else. And I always joke that on Amazon, I'll order something mm -hmm. and it will be sent to me by like 3 or 4 a.m. Yeah. I'm like, I really don't need, like, <laughs> it wasn't that like <laughs> I really don't need this yeah. this fast, yeah. like where you need to deliver it to me at 3 or 4. And yeah. I'm sure they've done the business modeling to mm -hmm. understand Maybe they can pay drivers differently or they can get more stuff, like yeah. more drivers out there to be more efficient at different times than, right. you know, busier times. But I always laugh because I'm like, no, this very urgent thing, I'd much rather have delivered yeah. faster. But also you could probably give it to me in a week. And as yeah. much as I love to get things that I need fast, mm -hmm. fast, mm -hmm. I also have things where... I don't necessarily need to have things delivered yeah. that fast and it shouldn't. And sometimes I can't choose that. Yeah. Like I'm, it is like you either get it at 4 a.m. Yeah. And they're freaking me out because I'm like, who is at my house at 4 yeah. a.m.? I've seen a meme that actually talks about um, on Amazon. Now they're like, oh, I must have Amazon Prime because I ordered pajamas. And when I woke up, I was in them. Like, you know, like <laughs> because you're like, um, they've gotten to a service yeah. now where they're basically putting them on me. Well, and, the and I, that's a joke. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and the Amazon example is a really good one, right? Is that they try, they're trying that bundled. Mm -hmm. approach of like everything gets delivered on Tuesday. Yeah. It's interesting though, because like in the example you just gave and the examples that I have, mm -hmm. I haven't been able to bundle it like that no. because it's not relevant to me. Like yeah. some things are fine coming on Tuesday, yeah. but other ones like I, I do need it now. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, logistically that causes a huge problem. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's really interesting just that especially 
post-COVID, right? Yeah. Of how we changed and companies are diving into that change and people are kind of changing back a little bit. Yeah. Right? I call it customer amnesia. Yeah. You know, there's, I think over the course of time, you see these big trends happen mm -hmm. or these big monumental shifts. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like one, two, three years later. And we're like, yeah, eh. But we'll, yeah. we'll wait till that spikes up again. Yeah. But I mean, for me, I used to go to the grocery store and I would listen to music mm -hmm. and I would take my time yeah. and I would put all the things in my cart. I don't know what I was, the amount of hours I spent at the grocery store were probably the most yeah. ridiculous thing I, anyways. But now I just do my online order. Yeah. I go and pick it up. So I sit outside, they put it in my car mm -hmm. and it's awesome. There are still mistakes because yeah. I have special dietary needs. So yeah. there's still times where I'm like, Ooh, they got the wrong one. Yeah. But they've they've even made it where it's a lot more efficient for them, and and I don't know like some things I don't think I can go back yeah. to like I don't think I could actually go unless I have very specific product needs where I go in right. and get them and get out right. I hundred percent doing the drive up and pick up orders as much as possible. But what if yeah. the insight was I'm making it up yeah. at this point? But what if the insight was people don't want to. Um, to go grocery shop anymore, but they would like to go to a place where they could drop off their dry cleaning things. You can't, yeah. you know, it, like you can't do that. Like you can get them pick up, I guess, but like do these other things. Like it becomes more of a community yeah. area. Like, is there a way that an industry such as grocery that is so old doesn't need to hundred percent shift. Yeah. They can offer different solutions. Cause like one of the things that you hear about the pickers is that and those are people who are actually yeah, making this yeah, stuff, yeah. Um, is that... They should know, get a better name for that because I, I don't think I'd want to say, like, I'm a picker. Because <laughs> that, to me, just is, like, noses and wedgies. Yeah. Like, it's like they're... Poor guy. Like, they need... Like, customer service went through this change where it was, like, yeah. ninjas. Yeah. Like, we should... That's our biggest priority right now is that's let's a, come up with a new name. A new name. Picker. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. Okay, but for um, now, let's keep, go back to what you're saying. But you're asking a human to do something yeah. and have some intuition of what, like, a substitution would be. Yeah. So you order Cheerios, no Cheerios what's yeah. that next thing that you should get? And what happens currently is that, I mean, in most cases, yeah. they either don't give you anything or they substitute something that's not the same. Or, or I get a million text messages. Or you get a million text messages. And they're trying to be nice. Right. But I'm also like, I, I really don't, I'm busy. And right. That sounds terribly rude. No, but, but it's not. Yeah. It's like, it's their job. They want to do it well. They also don't want to take a long time to yeah. do it. So it's all these competing factors. Um, so going back to the original question is like, in different maturity levels, you see yeah. totally different needs. And I see right now that the retail industry in general is swinging, yeah. trying to figure out where to land. And they will land someplace, yeah. um, but it's just going to be really important to you know keep an eye on the prize of, you know. But like you're saying, you it could be a hub of yeah. still engaging and bringing customers back together. Yeah. And maybe it's, they do like a little cooking show in the store exactly. where you can learn how to make the dinner and you can buy all the ingredients yeah. for that dinner for that night. Yep. Like things like that. I don't, I'm just spitballing, so but yeah. you're right. I mean, I have certain things every week I do, Yeah. right? I pick up the dog food or mm -hmm. certain things I have to buy. And if I could go to one place to do that, yeah. it'd be so much better. But then it's also understanding different customers have different needs. And yeah. can you find a larger yeah. group of customers who have kind of the similar or same needs or maybe things they don't know they need yet? Yeah. And then figure out whether it's dry cleaning or mailing all my Amazon packages yeah. back or whatever it is yeah. going to one place. And I do find that I go to the grocery store closest to me. It's not the closest one, but the one that has all those other aspects. Mm -hmm. I go to that one because yeah. then I can knock out the two or three things I have to do. Well, or you think, so that's one thing that you're making it more convenient, right? Yeah. The other one is that you can diversify, mm -hmm. right? And do something different. So Petco um, mm -hmm. is based in San Diego mm -hmm. and I love them because we get to see all of the innovation that's coming through. So they're, they've recognized that people don't want as much waste from their pet food. Mm -hmm. And so now they've got refillable things. Oh, cool. Right? And so now if yeah. I'm like, I don't want to waste, you know, the shipping or you know the packaging or whatever, I can just go into Petco with my container, fill it up, pay for it, right? Yeah. So you've identified something that is not necessarily easier, but it aligns with my goals and my morals, right? Yeah. And so there's different ways of doing things like that. Like what if a grocery store was like, if you come in, we will give you the best vegetables. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that is my yeah. biggest complaint with pickers yeah. is that usually the fruit and vegetables, yeah. I'm super picky 
about uh-huh. it. <laughs> I'm super picky, but then they'll choose ones where I'm like, oh, this one's bruised. I wouldn't have chosen that one. Yeah. And then the poor fruit probably all feels like it's, you know, all inadequate, but whatever. Um, you know, I think it's just something where trying to figure out those little nuances that I will never probably tell mm-hmm. the business I'm working with mm-hmm. what bothers me or why I go away right. or why I might do something yeah. different. But it's it's one of those things where I think sometimes the quiet customers are the ones you want to try to get in front of so you can yeah. understand what is it that they're they're not buying as much or they would buy more if you understood some of the things that maybe they go away from just because like I go to Trader Joe's now mm-hmm. to get my produce. Yeah. Just because I'm like, oh, it's better if I just go pick it out too. Yeah. Plus Trader Joe's like I have no idea where they find those people. Like, they're so But nice. I'm always, like, I know all of them. And they're always like, oh, how's it going? Like, yeah. the most personal conversations yeah. in checkout lines, it brings back my, the North Dakota in me where yeah. I'm like, oh, usually people look at me like, why is she asking what I'm making based on yeah. what's in my grocery cart? Yeah. And Trader Joe's are like, ooh, what you got going on? Yeah. I'm like, okay, these are my people. Oh, so, yeah. Texas, yeah. too. I get it. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the, um, what was I going to say about the, um, about the Trader Joe's thing? They're all, well, they're offering something unique, yeah. right? A service mm-hmm. that's unique. Like I actually get joy yeah. going into Trader Joe's. Yeah. Not only is it unique products, but it's really friendly people. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, I don't consider that like a bad thing going nope. in. No. Um, I was gonna well, and, and I'm not sponsored or we do not yeah. actually make money. If Trader Joe's <laughs> wants to kick in some money for the that podcast, would be awesome. that would be great. Um, yeah, but I think kind of just going back to what you're saying, like being able to offer something unique, something that either makes yeah. your life easier, but... Even the example you gave with Petco, mm-hmm. I mean, you have five? Five. Dogs? Uh, two dogs, three cats. Two dogs, three cats. Okay. So you visit Petco a lot. Yeah. And so that's something that whether or not it brings you joy, but it it makes you at least feel in line with your belief system yeah. because you want to be more sustainable or better to the environment yep. and also care for all of your fur puppies and yeah. kitties. I mean, they even have a full kitchen where they're making fresh food too. Like, I mean, they're doing interesting things. So I would okay. keep an eye out on Petco from at least a customer needs perspective because they are definitely like sniffing around in some really <laughs> oh, so many puns. I didn't even mean to do that one. <laughs> um, but the one thing I was going to say is that, so you were saying if you didn't like something, you, you're the like quiet quitting of, mm-hmm. you know, a grocery store or a service, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, especially with physical locations, they really struggle with getting that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, if you have an NPS store, score, you know, you're at the register and you do that little NPS thing, sure. um, you know, do you, uh, is it one through 10 and satisfaction, right? Usually you're right in front of a very friendly checker, mm-hmm. right? So somebody is checking you out. Yeah. You usually are giving them your, um, your score, yeah. right? And so you're not actually learning anything mm-hmm. about the rest of your experience. You're just looking at, you know, Marge, who's always really nice to you and you're yeah. giving it a 10. You might give it a nine if they didn't have yeah. something you wanted, right? So it's really important that you're checking at each critical point. Yeah. Um, to make sure that you're gathering that feedback or else you get a, a somewhat a bloated and you know uninformed MPS yeah. score at the end. Yeah. Well, and so you're hitting on something I get on a soapbox about sometimes, mm-hmm. which, so I help develop a co-product with um, Bain and Satmetrics okay. to do a joint NPS score mm-hmm. when I was at a BPO previously. Mm-hmm. And Fred is awesome. And he had the vision behind it. And even in 2019, he, he came out and said, it's not a hundred percent. It's an NPS is not being used how I intended it to be yeah. used because it was really initially to be a measurement on customer purchasing and loyalty and buyback. Like, yeah. are they going to come back? Yeah. And you know, that was really the focus. And now we have so much focus on NPS in like yeah. various ways, but you're right to me, it's measuring a percentage of a percentage of customers. Yeah. And then usually for me, I'm either going to speak an opinion if I'm super happy or super mad. Yep. In the middle, I'm not the detractors versus the promoters and yep. then the neutral. Like I'm if I'm neutral, I'm not gonna tell you anything, but I might not, I might do the quiet quitting of the brand. And you're probably not actually neutral. Yeah. Right. Probably not. But also you're right to the point of was it the agent? Mm-hmm. Was it the product? Mm-hmm. Was it the experience? Was it the shipping? Yeah. Like it's really hard to get a good measurement of what are you actually saying you're measuring mm-hmm. because maybe it is the happy cashier and it's not that I'm mad that the product did this or right. maybe the bags ripped on my way home. Yeah. I, you know, whatever that is, but it's very hard to actually say this measurement is based on that experience, especially some of the times I get surveys or questions mm-hmm. way later. Yeah. So if it's not in Time, that yeah. moment, mm-hmm. yeah. like I'll get a hospital or something that will ask me, how was your experience at our clinic? Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, when did I, okay, when did I do this? <laughs> what was it for? Was it my child? Was it me? Yeah. 
And is it the scheduling? Was it the actual appointment? Was it how long I spent in the waiting room? Yeah. Is it the actual doctor? Like there's so many factors yep. that can make it a positive or negative experience that I just don't think we really measure because yeah. we just try to like, okay, it's this number. Yeah. And if it's happy, we move on. If it's sad, we're like, okay, what do we need to fix? Right. And sometimes those angry letters to the president mm -hmm. are like completely disrupting the CX teams because mm -hmm. they'll be like, oh, oh my gosh, now. this is what we have to focus it's the on shiny today. Object, yeah. Oh my gosh. And it's yeah. like, wait, there's a lot of things that happen. Is that an anomaly or is that really what we need to fix or do we need to focus on something else? Just because you're the loudest doesn't mean your problem's actually everybody else's problem. Yeah. Right? Like I always, I always attack problems with what are the mass problems? Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. Who's going to, yeah. what's the biggest complaint for the most people? Mm -hmm. And then once you attack that, then you can start, you know, getting more clever about mm -hmm. what you're doing. But going back to what we were talking about before, it's usually fundamentals. Yeah. It's not the bright and shiny object. Well, but in, and to your point too, is I'm a big, what's the largest percentage of people affected yeah. versus is it the 1%? And exactly. if your 1% is your most important customers who have the most buying power, like yeah. that's, that's something right. different. But generally speaking, those people who are the loudest, mm -hmm are getting heard. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I almost wonder, you know, making this up right now, but I wonder if it's like an entitled customer base mm. where they also probably, if they're this loud, maybe they'll also be the fastest to leave. Maybe. I don't know. But it's, it, to me, it's, there's a lot around loyalty mm -hmm. and I still not hundred percent sure the metrics around loyalty and what that actually does for a business in terms yeah. of revenue or profit or anything is, is correlated in, in a way where I would still fully be able to buy into it. Loyalty is so tricky, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's how I've always determined um, whether we're doing a good job or not, or are we losing customers or are they coming back, right? And are they bringing people with them, yeah. right? That's ultimately yeah. what you want. Um, however, there are so many choices out there. Mm -hmm. You know, like we were, we were talking to, a, I was talking to a retail company that said, what was it? So if there was more competition, People actually, so if there were like two grocery stores um, that were near each other, mm -hmm. they actually had better scores, customer satisfaction stores, than if there was only one store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's because they didn't have to try as hard, mm -hmm. right? So if that's the case, you're looking at all of these, you know, competition, right? You've yeah. got, you can get groceries from Amazon, from Whole Foods, from all these different yeah. groceries. Same thing with credit cards, right? Yep. Or any kind of service. There's a lot of competition out there. And so I don't know. If loyalty, mm -hmm. I don't know how it can be measured to your point yeah. um, because people will leave like, and that's, but that's okay. It could be cyclical. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is what I have found when I look at the next generation of buyers, right? Who are you right now are using my money, but whatever my kids, but when I look They're at cycle, I know. Right? And it's, it is what is easy. Yeah. It is what is convenient. It yeah. doesn't even make sense because especially it's not their money. So they don't care. They're like DoorDash. I'm like, there's noodles in the fridge, like whatever. But you look at it and my parents were very true to brands mm -hmm. based on what yes. their parents had, whether it's a peanut butter or whatever that is. Coca-Cola only in our house, yeah. no Pepsi. Yeah. And now I think it's kind of, well, what's convenient or yeah. what's easy for me yeah. or what has the least amount of friction versus yeah. some of that tied ancestry of yeah. choices yeah. of what made sense for families. And there's some cases where I've seen it where people are very particular because there's some emotional attachment right. to it. Other than that, it seems like the up and comers are like, if that's hard and moving on and I'll go to the next thing. Yeah. But then you also think about from a customer perspective of there was a study and I'm not going to quote it correctly, um, but basically there was a study that people were happier with that with limited choices. Mm -hmm. So they went into a store and had like 50 you know, cereal brands to choose yep. from. They were less happy than the ones that walked into a store that only had five. Yeah. So from a customer perspective, we may think it is the best thing to do to mm -hmm. give them every option we have available. Yeah. They actually don't want that. It does not make them happy. And so the more you can put it in, you can answer, the, do what they need you to do. And then offer them something that is complimentary, mm -hmm. something personalized, like going back to the personalization thing. Like, I don't need to know how to get a commercial card. Yeah. I would never use that. Right. So yeah. why are you showing it to me? Yep. Um, it just makes me mad. Mm -hmm. So I think that editing is so important within CX yep. and UX um, to make sure that you are actually giving customers what 
they actually want Mm -hmm. and you're selling, you're being more particular about what you're selling to them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like if I'm buying a box of cereal, maybe recommend almond milk or or cow's milk, whatever it is, or maybe it's, and not selling or recommending, you know, a spatula because that isn't something that you're going to use for your cereal. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's funny over Christmas, I got a new pair of boots and the company I went to had said, oh, here. And they sent me an email and had said, we think that this would look great with your boots. That wasn't the boot I bought. I bought a different boot. I was like, wait, what? I was like, are you trying to tell me something? Yeah. And I'm like, do I have so many boots I don't know what's right. in my closet anymore? Or did I do something wrong? Yeah. Like that's the most, that's one of the biggest problems I think a lot of companies have is that, and like for instance of, I ordered something recently and I definitely ordered it yep. and got the email that I had ordered it. And then I kept getting the, did you forget emails? Mm-hmm. And I was like, did I forget? And then I went back and checked and I was like, nope, didn't forget. I actually bought it. And then they sent me another one of like, just a reminder, this is still in your cart. And I'm like, did I? And so there's some kind of glitch of they were trying to get me to purchase it so, so, um, um, passionately mm-hmm. that he didn't actually check but see that I actually purchased it. Yeah. And then that made me really unhappy mm-hmm. um, because it made me waste my time. And you Should. hadn't even gotten the product to experience it yet. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which has to be hard. But, and I think when you talk about limited choices too, so there was a study for the medical study done during COVID where they talked about your cognitive brain, like all of the brain functionality of decision-making. Mm-hmm. And they talked about prior to COVID you had like your kind of life where you are in just like coast mode or you're on yeah. autopilot yeah. Mm-hmm. and you're like, you get in your car, you drive to work, you drop the kids at school, whatever that is that you do on mm-hmm. a daily basis. And then with COVID, it was like every day it was like, do my kids go to school? Yeah. Do I go to work? Uncertainty, yeah. There was so much uncertainty that their people's brains were having to make so many decisions by 9 a.m. that they normally don't have to mm-hmm. make that now the decisions like we don't want to have to make a bunch of decisions. Yeah. Nope. And so it's like, limit my decision-making of the day. Yeah. You know, I think it was at Steve Jobs who would wear the same outfit all yep. the time. And I'm like, that would make my life so much easier. Yeah. I was like, just the same t-shirt and pants yeah. all, all day, every day. <laughs> um, I still haven't pulled the trigger on that. But yeah. I mean, I think people just want simpler choices. And I think simpler lives. A lot of times, like we talk about like, you know, conscious consumerism. Mm-hmm. And it's, what do I actually need to have versus yeah. I want to have? And I look at like my parents and my mother and her parents had precious moments and all the antiques and knickknacks and all of these things all over her house. And for me, I'm like, I just want the things in front of me that I I use. Yep. Right. And so I don't have that attachment to some of the stuff, but I think that some of those previous generations too, and even people, my generation, like there's still people who are in our generations who are, who have different things that they're into. Yeah. Um, I mean, trapeze, whatever it is, right. That they're, that they really take on whether it's collectibles or or whatever. But I think it's, it's something where I think when I look at my kids, they, they still want things, Mm -hmm. but it's not to the level of stuff. Mm. They don't need it unless it's something that they're actually going to be using. Yeah. So, well, and you did see the shift from people buying things to experiences, right? So it's going to become more and more important for anybody's trying to sell anything mm-hmm. to make it into an experience. And yeah. you've got two options, right? There are some things you don't need to think about, yeah. right? Take that off my plate. The groceries, take it off my plate. Yeah. So I can plan my trip mm-hmm. or I can plan this uh, event or something that I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, the one thing I was going to bring up that we haven't talked about before is competition. Mm-hmm. So I, within the businesses that I consult for, a lot of times they only look at their own industry. And what I always do is I say, what's the best experience that you've ever had? And then tell me those companies. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to compare your experiences against them because I was working with, within the medical industry (laughs) and boy, (laughs) they need some help. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, they were still using paper forms, you know, uh, insurance was really confusing um, you never got confirmation about your appointments. You know, you had to yeah. wait for a really long time. And I went in and I was like, this is broken. And they're like, but this is how everybody does it. And I was like, for uh-huh. now. Yeah. And so we started looking at some other companies that they found, you know, good experiences. Right. Um, so whether it be like an Airbnb or whether these are, those are complicated things. Like Airbnb yeah. can be relatively complicated. Yeah. You are communicated well, 
you have some sort of um, feedback loop. Yeah. Um, fees are explained now. Yeah. Um, things like that. And so I went back to them and I was like, guys, like you could just put some basic stuff in here yeah. um, to improve it and to improve your customer's experience. And they had never thought about it that way. They're like, mm-hmm. this is just how doctors yeah. visits are. And speaking of, I need to contact my vet because <laughs> their new thing is that they remind me of an appointment via text and okay. say text or email or call us. So I always text back, yes. And I get a reply that says, this is an unmonitored line. Uh-huh. And I'm like, then why are you texting me? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want an action, if it's informative, fine. Yeah. If you want an action from me. Yeah. Well, and then it's like, I'm if not you're exactly sure it, what to do. Yeah. If you're going to open a new channel, you have to support it too. Exactly. Like you have to figure out a way. Yeah. yeah no, but I, I like that because I know we bring up Amazon a lot, yeah. but I think they completely changed how customers expect to be, have experiences yeah. because you yeah. went from well, my bank treats me this way, my medical professionals treat me this way, whatever, to now with Amazon, they're like, wait, if it can be this easy, why can't my experience be that way with everyone? And so I think that it's really shifted that instead. You're right, because I think you can't have the companies think the same way as they've always thought, or they're going to be obsolete because younger generations aren't going to to tolerate any of that friction. But I do think when when you talk about it, I always find it fascinating to try to figure out how to talk to people in a way where they can understand why that's important. Mm -hmm. But I think the more we can do things where different titles, different industries come together and understand like, oh, that's what's happening. Oh, there's a best practice here. And I think we saw that sometimes with BPOs because they're Mm -hmm. managing so many different industries and so many different clients that they would apply some of the best practices across. And you're like, oh, that makes sense. sense. Uh, But it's been interesting to see some of those silos getting broken down, which Mm -hmm. is one of the things we're trying to do with the podcast, right? Is to try to have people share some of it where maybe they're in a different industry and never thought about how that could be applied to to how they manage their customers. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately you're a customer. I mean, in a very basic sense, your customer is a customer of many things. And they're going to compare their experience online, their experience with the doctor, mm-hmm. et cetera. And we've just seen industries are getting blown up because they got lazy. Yeah. Doctors, that's going to happen to them. Yeah. Um, taxis, mm-hmm. almost obsolete at this point. They used to be stinky. They were expensive. Um, they were hard to find sometimes, rude mm-hmm. at times, et cetera. Because you couldn't rate them. You couldn't yeah. do that kind of thing. Now, taxis, you know, God love them. They are struggling. Yeah. Um, well, and now like I can like, okay, I'm going to give you the best example. And I don't remember if it was Uber or Lyft, okay. but I got in one and he had karaoke in the car. Mm-hmm. And I'm also not going to say who it is because he also had mini bottles of booze. <laughs> I was like, what kind of ride share is this? It's Party amazing. So I was like, I'm pretty sure this is illegal, but it's awesome. But we were going to a concert, so it made right. sense. But he had lights in his car. He had nice. a karaoke machine. So we're like yeah. tapped in. We're doing karaoke on our drive. Like he made it a fun experience. Yeah. Like I would rate him. Five stars yeah. out of five stars every time. I'm not going to tell them always why because, right, right. you know, he'd probably get in trouble. But, <laughs> like, elevating that experience yeah. where you're right. When, I, when I'd when i be in New York City, I have a potentially smelly, dirty cab I'm yeah. in. And the driver is more angry that I'm in there than happy. Yeah. And so it's how do you, like, continue to help your the people who are in front of your customers strive mm-hmm. to give a great experience because they care and because they're probably measured on it. Yeah. Well, and on the on the flip side, right, mm-hmm. maybe the reason why the cab drivers were not cleaning their car, were unhappy and rude, yeah. was because they had no feedback loop to be mm-hmm. able to say this customer is a jerk, right? Yeah. Whereas I was in New Orleans a month ago or whatever. Yeah. We're driving around it's before Mardi Gras a couple of weeks and driving around in a lift. And there is, I think it's a $250 or $300 fee if someone gets sick in their car. Mm. And I was like, that's going to make you feel better about your job, yeah. right? Like you, nobody wants anybody to yeah. you know, have a problem in the car. However, if you actually are going to get paid yeah. To clean it and all of that, that's a lot better than a taxi driver, right? right. Who's just stuck going to, mm-hmm. you know, a gas station and try to clean it. So I think that it's also companies have to do it both ways, right? They have to be out there for their customers, mm-hmm. but then they also have to take care of their employees and make sure that they're being, if you want them to be nice to customers and do their job as well yeah. as they can, you have to incentivize them to do so. Yeah. And I know we talked a little bit about it, which is like what I strongly believe mm-hmm. is 
you can never have a positive customer experience if you have a negative employee yep. experience. And I just, I totally agree, especially the tools you're giving them, whether it's yeah. physical tools of how they clean their vehicles or mm -hmm. if it's, you know, technical tools where how they're being able to access a CRM or their data mm -hmm. or whatever that is for the customer. Um, I think that's really important. But I, I think, is there a way that you've been tying that back where you say, okay, I'm going to start with the UX and CX side. Mm -hmm. And then how is that? have you found gaps where like, this is why there's an issue because actually the employee experience itself had a, had a challenge. Have you seen that? Um, the one that's coming up and it may not hit the mark, but we'll try is there was a, like an Airbnb for cars. Mm -hmm. I think it's still around. Turo. Turo. Okay. Um, so I rented from Turo a couple of times yep. and, um, had great experiences. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. My parents were coming in town. Um, I had a Mini Cooper. That was our only car. So I was yeah. like, all right, we're going to get, we're going to run from Turo because yeah. I had such a great experience. Yeah. And so I get one, I pick it up. It's a fine car. We all go out, you know, these are 70 year olds. So we're not partying in the car, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a little bit of sand got in the car. Didn't think that anything was wrong with it. And, yeah. Um, because we live at a beach and mm -hmm. this person's car was at a beach. Yeah. Um, returned the car and I ended up getting like a $150 fine mm -hmm. because they had to wash the car. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I was like, first of all, the car wasn't dirty. And there was like, there was sand in it. And I was like, well, yeah. was there not supposed to be? Yeah. sand um and so we like went back and forth with the um with the toro customer experience customer experience together and they basically were like no it's like it's this is your fault hmm. um and in that particular instance is that i wasn't clear on what the rules were mm -hmm. they had no leniency yeah and i actually feel like they were taking advantage and they were jerks about it yeah so i feel like that's where a lot of the breakdown could have been is lack of communication sure. of what to expect. And I mean, in general, customers overtell them what yeah. the expectations are because no yeah. one likes surprises. Yeah. So in that particular instance, I felt like the breakdown was that they didn't explain properly to me or to the person who yeah. had the car, yeah. which then caused this huge breakdown. And now I'm, you know, talking shit about Tarot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I think part of it is being real about brands and understanding yeah. that everyone has chance. There's not, if you ask me what brands have delivered a amazing, consistent customer experience, I could probably name two. Yeah. Because depending on what product or service you're a part of, yeah. Yeah. there's, it is very rare to see a brand who's very on point, who has crossed over the marketing and care silos with yeah. operations to truly deliver experience from the second that you integrate or like, you know, communicator become part of that brand yeah. to when you leave or maintain with that brand. Yeah. And it's very rare. I think you have some of the ones like the Ritz Carlton, like mm -hmm. some of the ones who get that reputation yeah. who actually do right. a phenomenal job. Yeah. Like how can they remember I eat like Parmesan on my pizza, mm -hmm. on my gluten-free pizza, mm -hmm. but yet my doctor or one of my airlines can't remember that I, you know, I'm celiac and they keep giving right. me meals or my doctor is like, right. you know, it's just, it's just fascinating to me that you have these instances where you would think some of them who know you actually more intimately than yeah. I just come and visit for a few yeah. days and leave that would be, be able to provide a better experience. But I think it's also just everyone's so busy and just running and chasing yeah. and maybe it's the shiny objects where we aren't always focused at some of those smallest details. Yeah. And I had a client. But once. they're not small. That's the thing, yeah. right? Is that it gets interpreted as lack of care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it, Yeah. whether it's meant to or not, yeah. that's what's interpreted as. There was a, a woman who ran some of the call centers in the Philippines and she had come to the United States to meet with one of our clients mm -hmm. and we had talked and whatever. And, and when we got to the Philippines for him to visit there, when we brought him over there, he pulled me aside and he said, you've won the business. I want to work with you guys, but I want to tell you why. Mm. And I said, okay. And he goes, the fact that one of the smallest, I'll give air quotes now, details was that I was drinking Lipton iced tea mm. in the conference room in my hometown. Yep. And when I pulled up and walked into your conference room yeah. and sat down at the table, yep. she handed me a Lipton iced tea. I don't know if that's like a really popular drink, but yeah. I'm assuming not. Yeah. The fact that I never even had to tell her and yeah. she already knew yeah. was 
that small detail makes me feel like if you know that about me, you'll yeah. take really good care of my yep. customers. Yep. And it's true. It's I mean, some of the smallest things or things that we deem the mm -hmm. smallest are the things where we know innately, if you care so much to make sure you know or understand me on this, yeah. then I know that the big things will hopefully be something that you really pay attention to. And it does make it personal, right? Yeah. So, you know, when you are talking about scaling experiences, 85% you can scale. Maybe even up to 95% you can scale. Yeah. And then you've got that small little margin of where you can actually make it differentiated for that particular customer where they're like, yeah, you see me. Like at American mm -hmm. Express, um, we were doing this, uh, this test of where um, customers would apply for a card. And this was an instant approval. It was like a brand new thing. Mm -hmm. um, so would apply for a card digitally and then they would get instantly approved. And my team was taking that as a handoff for early engagement. Yeah. And we would pop up a video that then would say, hey, Stephanie, mm -hmm. congratulations on your card. And it would be this whole branded yeah. experience of, and this is when you're going to get your card. This is what you can do with your card, blah, blah, blah. Short, like 50, you know, 50 seconds, something like yeah. that. Um, people loved it. And I mm -hmm. think they loved it for two things. One, said their name. Yeah. So little of a detail. We have that mm -hmm. information said what product they had okay. and then gave them tactical information of when they're going to receive their card. They set their expectations. Yeah. We know all that stuff already, but if we put it out in front of them and we understand that it's important to them, mm -hmm. it does make a big difference. Yeah. I mean, even just hearing your own name alone, yeah. it instantly diffuses you yeah. or makes you like, gives you some of those happy feelings. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, like for me, I'm rarely called Stephanie. Mm -hmm. It's usually like mom or something yeah. else. And so yeah. it's, it's rare to actually hear my own name, yeah. which I find weird. I'm like, oh, that is kind of a strange thing. But I mean, that would be a, like a delightful yeah. thing. Plus also yeah. your finances sometimes are getting approved, mm -hmm. potentially could have some of that emotional stress. Yeah. And then you, you get to have the celebration and excitement. In an experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's an actual experience that you had afterwards as opposed yeah. to just thank you. You'll be receiving your card, yeah. you know, in yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Well, um, one other thing I was going to say too. So you had talked a little bit about marketing and making sure those customer expectations yeah. are upfront. And I know there's like, like that documentary on like the Pepsi jet, right? Who they, they had all the Pepsi points. And if you got so oh, many yes, points, yes, you got yes, your own yes. jet. Yes. Yeah. That was a great story. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. And so they never thought he'd actually yeah. attain it. And so it's like also making true, like honesty and transparency on those expectations from this is what we're telling you yeah. you're going to get versus yeah. what you'll actually be using it for. So yeah, they shouldn't, no one should have to guess at anything. Um, in the example, I think we were also talking yeah. about was, um, you know, go to Vegas, if apply for this card and go to Vegas. Mm -hmm. That's not true. Mm -hmm. You have to apply for the card. You have to get approved for the card. You have to spend the amount of money. You've got to choose to go to Vegas and you have to book your trip, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the same thing. Yeah. And how I always explained it to all of my CX and UX teams was, my grandma, thank God, is almost 103. Wow. Um, okay. Living by herself. Um, uh, by herself, by 103? Herself. She has somebody come in wow. for a couple of hours just to cook for her and stuff. Um, That's and incredible. I know. She's amazing. If my grandma can't understand it, you need to make it clear. Yeah. And yeah. she's a smart cookie, but yeah. they're, you know, you just, it's, it's part of your job yeah. to do that. And I think CX can always have that view because if you come in as the customer, and you're humble about it, yeah. you can actually call out a lot of those things that are maybe beyond the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I know. And I, there's a lot of humbling experiences when family starts to, to, I still don't think they fully know or understand. I don't know about yours, what we do, Yeah. but they're like, can you tell that person in yeah. this, when I call this phone number yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, like these aren't people that I know all the people right. in the world. Um, but I, I will say it's been really fun to be able to understand, learn a bunch of different cultures and be able to meet yeah. people and be able to really get a grasp on just how small the world really yeah. is. Yet it's not quite that small that, yeah. you know, it's kind of like I have a friend who's a dentist and if they go to like a party, people will be like, oh my gosh, you're a dentist. <laughs> and they like open their mouth. I'm like, that has to be really annoying. Right. And it's kind of like, I wouldn't say it's the exact same, but with right. call centers are like, oh, you're in these countries or, oh, are you the people who call me about the car warranties yeah. or whatever it is? And so there's always a bad rap, but I just think what's actually underneath is a lot of complexity. Yeah. So I even compare or explain to people, if you get a dial tree and it's like an IVR, right? Mm -hmm. Which I don't love IVRs, yeah. but if you're pushing the buttons, it's because they're getting routed to different places. It could be different countries. Right. It could be different companies. Right. It could be different skill sets. And so there's a lot of complexity that's been built in mm -hmm. 
And yet a lot of it can be solved in simpler ways. Yeah. So it's fun that you bring all the UX, CX combined to help solve some of those things. It's fun. And it also helps me talk to the UX folks. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of times if you come into a design group and you're like, mm -hmm. no, I need you to do it like this. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I know what I'm doing and they do know what they're doing. Yeah. But if you can say, and I actually have done this too, yeah. um, it just helps your case because they're, they, they're great people, right? UX designers, et cetera. They want to deliver something that's really great. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times they're having, you know, competing um, priorities that are mm -hmm. put in their plate and that can be really confusing to them because who's going to make the call? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, okay. So one last final question yep. for you. So you did trapeze before. Yes. And one of the things that we talked about is like staying wild. Like how mm -hmm. do you kind of stay true to, you know, we have our per, per professional personas yeah. and things. And I think we've been able to blend those a little bit more mm -hmm. professional and personal. But like, what do you do now that you're not doing the trapeze stuff anymore mm -hmm. to like stay wild, to have fun, yeah. to like, what is it that you do in your personal life to kind of bring that in now? So I still travel. Mm -hmm. I've traveled to over 45 countries um, okay. and huge. That will always be in my life. Mm -hmm. um, however, I think it was two weeks ago. Um, I bought two huge canvases mm -hmm. and brought out all my house paint from okay. different projects. And I did a Jackson Pollock thing in my backyard and um, made a couple of huge canvases and now they're hanging in my office. So, um, that was fun. That's I awesome. Do more stuff like that. Yeah. Bring out that creative side. Yeah. So what's the best country? I mean, out of the 45, what's your most memorable experience I should say? Cause it's hard to probably choose the top. Um, it's not hard to choose top actually Japan. Oh, okay. I love Japan so much. Um, right next to that would be Stockholm in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I love everything about those cultures. They food's great. People are great. It's clean. It's clever. Mm -hmm. Like everything you see there, you're like, how come we don't have that in the U S? Yeah. Um, so those places I love and mm -hmm. want to go back all the time. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. This is such we a really, pleasure. We really appreciate it. And um, I'm sure we'll have many conversations coming, you know, hopefully in the in the future. And maybe we'll figure out where the 46th country is. Yeah. Or see you in one of them. Well, I can't wait to listen to this and all the other episodes. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you all for tuning in to CX and Chill with Tina Selwyn. Uh, we're really excited about the next episode coming up. We hope you tune in. And that's our show. CX and Chill is a production of Exo Studios, the creative marketing arm of ExtendOps, with today's host, Stephanie Todd, executive producer, Sean McCreary, producers, David Spear, Clarissa Coronado, and Mahmoud Davalos, editors and videographers, Carlos Alfonso and Santiago Aguirre, graphic support from Jordan Madrid, and social media guru, Claudia Corona. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out next time for more CX and Chill.